Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Stand Out, the podcast that's all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. Can I be honest with all of you? This episode couldn't come at a better time for me and my business. And I know that today's episode will bring value to everyone tuning in. Regardless if your business is growing and you're ready for help, or if you like to learn about all different kinds of business structures, this episode is for you. We're going to talk about running a multi-person business. Kristen Bertelson is the owner of Queen Bee Organizing, which will enter into their 10th year of business this summer. They specialize in residential and small business organizing, moving and downsizing, large home cleanouts, and estate sales. Their team of around 18 people love to help others love their space, find less stress in the day-to-day, and tackle large, overwhelming tasks with ease. Kristen is a CPO, so a certified professional organizer, and Queen Bee's organizing office is located in Corvallis, Oregon, and her team covers the Williamette Valley of Oregon. She has been an organizer on four different hoarding shows, loves travel for work or for fun, and has a husky named Oakley. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. So we have to let all of the listeners know that actually you and I got to connect on a whole other level at conference last year, right? As roommates. Yes. And that was so much fun because we had never met and I, I just loved it. Yeah. I reached out to you and I was like, I need a roommate. Do you have a roommate yet? <laughs> and, and I always like rooming with new people. Um, because then you get to meet and you get to make another connection and here we are. Yeah, here we are. And actually the, you know, the podcast team is excited to have you on because I think a lot of listeners out there, even if they haven't left their other job yet, like the job that will soon become their second career or their, you know, their first career, think about, well, what kind of business do I want to have? Do I want to work alone for, you know, the remainder of my career? Do I want to build a team? Do I want to build a large team? So I'm excited for our listeners to really have a a behind the scenes peek at your business. So if you don't mind, would you take us kind of back to the beginning, maybe where you were prior to where you started your business and how your business got started? Did you start with team members or with a business partner or were you by yourself? Tell us the whole story. Sure. So about 10 years ago, I was working as a furniture manager in a gift and furniture store. I have an interior design degree. And at the time, the design industry was in the toilet. So, you know, trying to do something else with it. And my parents actually asked me to help them organize all their photos. And I was like, yep, you know, I like organizing. I'm in. So after a couple months of doing that, my mom's like, you know, you should do this as a profession. And I, of course, was one of those people that said, no, it's just those people on TV that you see. No one does it in real life. And about a week later, next thing I know, my parents had found uh, Nepo and had bought me a plane ticket to the conference. And that year was in Ohio. And I said, you did what? And they're like, yeah, we bought you a plane ticket. You leave in a week. And so off I went to conference, no business name, no idea what to expect, no idea of even starting an organizing business the week before. And I entered the room and full of people that 
I got and that got me and I came home and within about a month, I had quit both my jobs. I had put a, an ad out on Craigslist and we also have like a movers and shakers column in the local newspaper. And from each of those, I received one call. So I had my, my first two clients and within about six months, I was too busy for myself. And so then I, I entered into the hiring world and made lots of mistakes, but somehow succeeded down the road. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's step back just a minute here and talk about how it only took you six months to be so busy. You couldn't work by yourself. And this is when the economy, it sounds like, you know, right around that 2008, 2009 time Mm -hmm. where it was challenging for people to, to afford some things that people feel aren't, you know, essential, right? Then, although we know how essential being organizing and productive can be, so tell it, how did you do that other than, you know, what other, was it marketing? Was it just talking every time you could about what you did and how you could help people? What do you think your secret sauce was? Well, so I contribute part of it. I met with Elizabeth Hagen, who had a class that year on basically being fabulous. And I'm sure that's not the name of it, but it was, you know, how to market yourself. And, and afterwards I did like a one hour call with her and paid for some of her services And one of the things she said to me was, you know, don't ask your friends to hire you, ask your friends to market for you. Mm -hmm. And so I sent out a letter to everyone I knew and everyone my parents knew and everyone that my friends knew and that I felt comfortable to. And I basically just explained my new endeavor. I included five business cards, which at the time were basically uh, my name and my phone number and asked them if they knew anybody to just pass along the card and help spread the word for me. And that was probably the cheapest and most fruitful marketing plan that I had. And I think it resulted in a few calls here and there. And from there, it just sort of grew. Did you start out offering one kind of organizing service or were you, did you say you were game for anything? What was your strategy there? I said I was game for anything inside a house. So the first client I had actually was moving and she wanted me to help her downsize um, before she moved. And so we did that. And I did like move day management. And I've always been really organized when it comes to moving. I've done it a couple of times. Uh, we moved from Maryland to Oregon when I was in uh, high school. I've packed up probably almost all my family's boxes at that time. So I did that. And my other client was disorganized basically by life. She had really bad knees. She had a late in life child with Down syndrome. And she was just overwhelmed with the space and her daughter offered to pay for her organizing services for as long as it took. So she just basically bought her services for Christmas and Thanksgiving and her birthday and Valentine's Day, whatever else it was until she was done. And so I worked with her 10 hours a week when I first started. So I basically just did anything inside a house that needed organizing until I knew more. And then I moved on to paperwork and as I said, I hired people and then we just grew and kept going. I also did a lot of design stuff still. So somebody maybe was getting a remodel done and they would hire me to um, look at their plans to see if it really was going to work from an organizing standpoint. So I love that. You worked with what you kind of already had and knew from your previous career. You did a lot of listening. You did a lot of jumping into things like conference and, and hiring. Sounds like she was a marketing coach of some sorts and you just kind of soaked in everything you could so that you could take that next baby step. Yeah, I think that's really the key. You know, 
I always say that when I started, I had $1,900 in the bank to spend and that was it. And if it didn't work, then I would, you know, go back to my other job, but it doesn't have to take a lot of money. You know, a lot of people get stuck on what's their business name going to be and how are they going to market and what is their niche going to be? And I, I think, you know, you get stuck in the fear of actually just doing it. So take a leap, make some mistakes and keep going. I sense a lot of people reaching out to you once this interview is done and just wanting to soak in all that you have to share. Okay. So I think this, and this is kind of where I'm at right now in my career where it's like I've hired, and I want to break this down too in case people don't know, but I work with a lot of 1099s, but I'm looking to hire my first W-2 this year. And it's, I think a lot of us have this question of, God, I know I need that full-time help, but I mean, that means it's going to cost me money. And that's scary. So you took that leap pretty early on in your business. So did you know for certain that if you didn't do this, you wouldn't grow or you wouldn't be able to keep up? Or how did you get that confidence? And what was it that kind of helped you to just do it and see what, how, it, how it went? And it's, I mean, you're involving another human too in your business. So I mean, that's a whole other level of scary. So talk to me about all that. So I was busy. I was just, like I said, I was really busy. And I, I look back at that now and think what that, that busy was. And I wish I had that some days because that level of busy is nothing compared to as many people as we have now. But I realized that I didn't want to go it alone. I didn't want to share the business with anybody else. Like I don't want someone else to own it with me, but I don't want to not have someone else on the job side ever. And I wanted to be able to help people quicker than what I was doing. And like, for instance, one of the jobs I got hired to do was a paperwork hoarding job. And it was about 45 minutes for me. And I would go down once a week and I had a truck and I would basically work until the back of the truck was filled with about 30 or 40 bags of paper. And my job was just to find all the checks and the gift cards and the you know, birth certificates and stuff from a house that he no longer lived in because every room had two to three feet of paper minimum in it. So like that job took me a long time and I didn't want to do it by myself. So I knew that having employees was the right thing for me. I actually hired three to start with because I figured if I, you know, was going to hire one, maybe it was just easier to hire three. And that was not, it was a terrible idea. One worked out really well. And the other two, I just, I couldn't keep up with like three people's needs from just my needs. So I think it's really understanding, you know, what you have to give, not just uh, financially and client wise, but also emotionally to other people because they need a lot more from you once you start hiring people. Okay. And so Kristen, help me with this. I'm not a lawyer or an accountant and <laughs> I know that's clear, but so there are, there's two differences listeners, right? There are 1099s, we call them, and there's uh -huh. W2s. And so 1099s are, they're officially a, they're independent contractors, right? And then W2 is an actual, an actual employee. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about, did you jump right into having an actual W2 employee or I did, did you mix and match? So no, I totally, I looked at all the um, laws and I know every state is different, but I also listened a lot to Point and realized that truthfully, a, a 1099 employee, you can't really tell them what to do. You can ask kindly for them to wear a certain color to the, the place and you can give them like the guidelines, but legally you really can't say like, I want you to put these dishes this way and I want the shelves moved down and I, you know, this is how I want the house organized. And if I was going to put my name behind something, I wanted to make sure it was how I wanted it to be and, and how I expected with my, you know, with my level of expectations met. And so I, I only, I only have ever hired W2 employees. I've never had a 1099. Gotcha. That makes sense. Especially within the line of work that we do, it's, 
not that there's only one way to, to do something, but if you've got too many cooks in the kitchen, it might take a while to get to that finished product. And yeah. Like if um, someone believes that, like we really, we teach our, I teach, and then now I have leads that teach people that are new. So I don't have to do all the teaching anymore, but you know, we really have a system as far as, you know, we, we call it putting the bones in place first. And I mean, most people do this, but they, you know, don't just focus on the clutter that's on top of the surfaces. We'll focus on the um, furniture first and make sure furniture is met as, is all, you know, organized in the most efficient way in the space before we even organize a space. If we have that flexibility with the client's budget and time. Yeah. And actually that, that leads to my next question, but we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to hear a message from Nate, but, but when we come back, Kristen mentioned systems and having those systems in place. So I, I want to unpack that with her a little bit. So we'll be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. For the entire course catalog, visit napo.net slash education. And to join NAPO, visit napo.net slash join. Welcome back. We have Chris on the show. She runs Queen Bee Organizing in Oregon, and she is the master of having 18 people on her team to run a very successful, you know, we've been in business for 10 years now, and we're, we're talking about you know, how she started out really not even knowing you could be a professional organizer full-time to hiring her first employee six months into her career. And you mentioned something, Kristen, that you, know, you have you know, people who teach and you have some systems in place. Did you have everything ready to go when you hired that first person? Did you have like an employee handbook and standards and all those things? Or did you kind of just figure it out as you went so it wouldn't hold you back? Sure. So I really believe that one of my takeaways in the business world is that business is, is really that it's a business. You know, a lot of uh, professional organizers that want to go full time, I think, are wondering about how to run the business side of it. You know, I mean, they're amazing organizers, but maybe we don't have that, that other side of ourself. And, and I'm very business oriented. So I feel like in order to run a successful business, you need to invest in your business. And so that's what I did. So I hired uh, someone, basically a business coach local, and together we wrote my handbook and together we wrote my, basically my hiring manual. So that way I knew the questions to ask and, and how to get the best employee for the position I was looking for. And so I did, I had everything in place. And then we actually had like a onboarding all day meeting with, you know, manuals and checklist. And I actually even brought in like a closet that was a put together one. So we talked about closet organizing, like on site and the whole shebang. So I did do a lot of investment ahead of time to make sure that when I hired, it was, they were, everyone was ready to go and everyone knew that I wanted them to be successful. Yeah. I, I love that. And where can, if a listener is like, well, who, how do I find a person who can help me, you know, write a hiring manual and an onboarding system? Where would you tell people to look to find, can we look for that within our neighbor community? Or is there, where do, I think where 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of amazing businesses that have employees and I would, a lot of them are big into coaching as well. So I would find someone that knows the industry. And because like my person did not know the industry, it was a lot harder to write the manual, but I would definitely find someone that does that or is willing to share theirs with you for, you know, a fee. I think it's really important to pay others in our industry for their expertise mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's invaluable. I mean, we, we, most of us who have the expertise, like you're asking me, you know, what my expertise is. And I, 
I've either paid to get it or I've done a lot of investment to be where I'm at. So I think it's important for anyone starting out to be able to invest a little bit in themselves as well. And it comes back tenfold. And I think too, when, when you put some money on the line, when you exchange for goods, I mean, that just makes you as the investor value that information even more. And you'll do something with it faster, I believe, mm-hmm. if you've exchanged it for money. Because if you get it for free, you might tuck it away and it might be life-changing, business-changing, but you just don't hold that same value because you didn't pay for it. So I know we're kind of getting off topic, but I, I agree with you that actually right. <laughs> close to home with me, Like I, as, especially within our own industry, um, we have to support each other and our expertise. So thank you for bringing that up. Tangent, so, but go ahead. Okay. So yes, back to the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So I think another question that, are, that is going to be, and that's my job, is to kind of take all of our listeners' questions that are floating around their minds and they might be afraid to ask you if they were to meet you. But are you ever nervous about the financial responsibility you have to your team and being able to continuously feed the business with more work so you can have the business and have the team and you know they're, they're taking that paycheck and going home to our family with it? So can you talk to us a little bit about that vulnerable topic of just that responsibility of having to, to pay someone and, and continuously pay them. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is stressful. A couple years ago, we had about 25 employees and I was stressed. Everyone was stressed. The business was stressed. We were actually working too many hours um, because in order to keep that many people, we actually had to sign up for way more jobs than we were comfortable with. And so we actually, over the last couple of years, have slowly been um, slimming back. So as somebody's moved on or our summer help hasn't come back, we have been slimming down to a really core crew crew where most of our my employees have been with me for four to five years at this point. And they really know the business and they know what to expect. But I think that you can get too big and and then it's too stressful to pay people and it's too stressful to find work. So I think there's going to be a number you know, if you're looking to grow, there's going to be a number where you're comfortable with, and maybe that's two employees and maybe that's 10 employees. But at some point, you know, you definitely want to say like, how much business is there for me really to be able to invest in other people? I like to manage a lot. And so my role is really not to go onto the job sites as much anymore. I do large cleanouts, large hoarding, hoarding jobs, business clients and design clients are kind of mine. But other than that, my employees do all the work and when we do get slow, which they're always a slow periods, I am constantly finding things for them to do. Like they can reorganize the office, they can um, write letters to past clients. And I'm always making sure that if there's any money in the bank and it's slow, that they're getting paychecks still. Right. So it's really, a, it's, it is an investment, but the rewards are, are tenfold. You know, we have, we have so many people that we get to help. We have, you know, we, two weeks ago, we did a a three-day job with 15 people on the job each day between ourselves and um, a hauling company that we hired. So, you know, the ability to be able to clean out a a mansion, as the family called it, in, you know, three days is, is outstanding. So I think the rewards are just, are tenfold for our business and how, and that's the model I wanted. How have your marketing efforts changed now? Are they similar to what you did back when you were one, two, three people? Or are you kind of running Facebook ads, Instagram ads, local TV? Like, what does it look like for you now? So we do a lot of local marketing. We believe that people, you know, the saying that people hire who they know, like, and trust is important. We don't live in a big city. So I think that is the biggest thing for us. I actually have a marketer. So I do some of the marketing, but mostly, like I said, I manage. So I have an assistant and I also have a marketing person. And my marketing person 
belongs to three different chamber of commerce. We belong to three or four different leads groups. We go to professional business lunches. We go to evening events. We, she's the one that contacts people for like uh, free speaking engagements for moms groups. We do a lot of word of mouth, a lot of word of mouth. We also have a trailer that holds a bunch of our supplies for the estate sale side. And that's completely wrapped with the things, you know, the basically free advertising at every estate sale that we run. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a physical office with a sign that's on a pretty busy street. And we also do a lot of brochure drop-offs, we call them. So we have brochures that we take to insurance agencies and realtor offices and retirement communities and, and just all sorts of places, all, any, you know, hairdressers and barber shops and anything you can really think of. Just listening to your story too, Chris, I don't know if you know how extraordinary you are, but you started your business when the economy was down. You have a large company in a small area, like, you know, and, and you work in such a niche industry where I feel like a lot of people who want to get into this are, are terrified if there's enough work for them. And I think you're just living proof that there's more than enough work and you can absolutely do what you love, whether you want to manage a team or, or be the team. You've created something really, really great. And I, I know our listeners are going to be very inspired by your story. So that's, that's great. That's incredible. One thing to really know, because I think when I started out, you know, I always looked at people with so many people and were like, how did you get there? And even now, like, how are you that busy? And I think it's really important that to, to state that like my model supports what we do. You know, you mentioned that we run estate sales and part of why we do that is because there's definitely not enough organizing work for, you know, 18 people. So I don't want to like make this seem like, you know, I, I feel like our company is very outstanding and I'm really proud of it. Um, I'm really proud of what everyone's built, but you know, the reason we have so many people is because we want to do the large cleanouts, but the large cleanouts aren't every week. You know, we might do six to eight a year. We do organizing jobs every day. We normally have two or three booked every day, but in order to have that and to keep people employed all year long, we really, we run the estate sales that really supports um, that many hours. So, so there is a, a business model out there for every person. So I just feel like it's important for people, you know, to really think about, you know, what they're trying to do and, and how they're going to get there and, and how they can support that goal of theirs without, you know, just assuming that it's going to be, a, that there's one avenue um, to do that. When you knew you had to diversify your business to stay busy, what were those signals as to what those jobs would be that would help you to stay busy? Was it just you noticed you were getting called to do a lot of estate sales or how did, were you just talking to other people and you just realized that need for that in your area? What kind of, what piece of advice, I guess, would you give to our listeners who are like, yeah, that's what I need. I need need to diversify my business so I can stay busy. What, what would you say to them? So to answer the first question, I think we did get a lot of calls. We also listened to our clients. You know, our clients would say, I would, I'm moving. I would really love if you would come on move day and manage the whole thing. And we already did a lot of packing and, and, you know, helping people unpack. So it was like, okay, well, I think we could do move day management where, you know, we're there the whole time. And now we're basically, con- you know, we're hiring the movers for the client and saying like, this is who we're going to use. And this is when they're going to come. And that gave us more work. And then that same client would say, well, we have all this stuff left over and we want to hire an estate sale company, but we don't know them and we don't trust them. And we trust you, would you help us? And we're like, no, that's not what we do. And finally, after enough no's, one of my employees was like, you know, I really like estate sales and I would really like if we do this. And to have an employee passionate about something is always a yes, no matter what, what it is. And I think a lot of our diversifying has been because someone's come to me and said, you know, I like design work. I like 
I have a client, I have an employee who loves handiwork. And so she will uh, design closet layouts and then install them for our clients. If they get to be massive installs, then she will hire, will hire a handyman like a contractor if it needs to be that kind of work. But if it's just hanging alpha shelves and rubber made from Home Depot, whatever she designs, right. you know, she's capable of doing that and we have a license for that. So I think it's really just listening to your employees and, and what they're passionate about and then saying, okay, can I afford this and how do I market this? What would you say is the hardest thing about working with a bigger team? What are the challenges you, you kind of see yourself facing? Oh, oh drama. drama. <laughs> <laughs> we have like a no drama policy, but you know, I mean, we, we have, it doesn't matter. You're with the same people every day, you know, all the time. We have a ton of different personalities and we need different personalities because, you know, our clients have different personalities. So I think it's always really understanding what our employees needs are. We do a yearly meeting, um, an all-employee meeting yearly. We just had ours and, you know, I bring in a different speaker every time. So the speaker was talking about different personality types and, and the employees are always like, oh yeah, that's right. That's why you and I don't necessarily get along on a job site as well as her and I do because our personality types just clash. And so it's just really understanding like each employee's needs and also, you know, what their love languages are and, and what they need from you as an employer and, you know, how much money to pay them and all of it. I, there's a gazillion things to think about, but for me, I love running a business, so it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, now you're organizing the business structure and the business side of things. So it's, it's still very much in line with what got you started in this. So now what are your plans for the future? Do you want to continue to grow? I don't, and you mentioned maybe 20 something was a little too much. So you kind of have a sweet spot right now of 18. Do you just kind of see yourself humming along for a while now where you're at? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think that I've always wanted, well, I used to always want to open an organizing store, but I think that that's gone out the window. I just think a brick and mortar store is probably not going to work. But I also thought a second location would be nice. Um, we have a community about four hours from here that has a lot of retirees in it. And so I've always thought of maybe like if one of my employees wants to move there and open a second spot, that that would be very fun. But for me, honestly, my goal was always to be able to travel. Um, I want to go overseas at least every other year. I want to be able to spend three to five weeks there. And I wanted a business that supports that. So my goal is to make sure that the business continues and that I'm here to support it. And it's here to also support my dreams of personal goals as well. Have you found yourself being able to remove yourself from the daily operations of your business so that it can kind of run on its own? Or are you still very much a part of it on the daily? Or what, what does that look like for you? When I travel, I'm very well removed from it. I check in maybe once a day if I have service. And a lot of times like I went to Fiji last year and I didn't have service for four days on one of the islands and I didn't realize I wouldn't. And so I checked in four days later and everyone was running fine. So we have, um, I have an assistant in the office. Um, I have a marketer person, like I said, I also, we have lead organizers. So people that uh, at this point they take, like uh, my assistant can give them the organizing lead and that they can call and schedule their own schedule. Um, I also have estate sale leads. So they do, they know how to do all the consults for our estate sales and they can actually come up with prices for how much they cost because we do a flat rate for ours, not a percentage. And then my assistant knows how to draw up the contract. We use DocuSign for all our contracts for organizing and for estate sales. So everything's signed before we go to the job site. So it's pretty efficient after all this time. I think 
for my role is really to make sure that I'm hiring the right people and I'm really supporting the people on however they need. But I think a good business and good employees support the owner too. And so when I go away, my employees all want me to stay off the clock and, and stay away and enjoy my trip because they know how hard I work while I'm here. Sure. Ah, so good. A lot of great inspiration and information for our listeners out there. If you were to leave us with two sticky notes, maybe there's two things you want to reiterate for us, or maybe two things you haven't talked about quite yet in the interview, what, what would you leave our listeners with? So I think the first thing I would actually be a tribute to my dad's. He actually started a business, a physical therapy business a year before I did started my business. And early on, I had mentioned like fear and doubt and how it kind of creeps in and you're not really sure you're making a decision. And he's always told me that it doesn't matter what the decision is, just make it. And if you make the wrong one, then you'll make the ne- you'll make a different one the next time. And I find so many people, not just in business, but in life, just getting stuck in the decision-making process. So I guess my one sticking note would be to just make a decision, you know, pick a name, use your name for a business, hire employees, fail. It doesn't matter. Just worst thing you can do is stay stuck in the indecision area. And then the second one, I guess what I already said is I really feel like treating a business like a business is the right way to go. If you want to grow into something that is more, um, not, not something that you do on the side. So take a class at a local community college where they can teach you how to do, you know, how to learn your numbers, how to understand how, where to market, how to understand like how many, you know, how many leads you need in order to pay for that marketing experience. And then when you do market, I would, I guess I'm, I'm sticking up see, but I guess when you do market, make sure it's not about yourself. Make sure it's about the other person. Nobody wants to hear about someone else's business. They always want to talk about their own. Mm -hmm. So in letting someone else talk and letting you listen, they already think that you're better than anything you could have said. So good. Where can our listeners find out more about you and stay connected with you? Well, we have a website and a Facebook page. Uh, So Queen Bee Organizing, just letter B for my last name, Bertelson. So queenbeorganizing.com or on Facebook, same thing. And our phone number, if you ever want to call and, you know, I'm happy to chat for five or so minutes or five or 10 minutes to give you some advice on a question. Um, Our phone number is 541-231-6964. Really wonderful. We appreciate your time. Listeners, you know, I'm going to ask you, what can you do today or this week to make a change in your business for the better? And how are you re-inspired to think about your business? Maybe the business doesn't exist yet, but Kristen's living proof that you can be somewhere eight months right now and eight months in the future, your life looks completely different because she just made a decision to go for it. And I think that's, it's very important and it's very inspirational. And I know that we can all take something from that, even if it's not about growing a multi-person business, it could be something else within our business that's just kind of having us stuck. Just go ahead and make the call and, and see where that path takes you. I'm Sarah Karakan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thanks so much for being here with me and learning with me. If you like our podcast and you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspirational of inspiration, leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us a review, I know I'm asking a lot. Please feel free to share this in every episode with your colleagues, your team, and whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you the next time. I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net 
to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.